0: The Heat hosted their rivals from Boston on Thursday night on the second night of a back-to-back and having lost four straight. Well, that streak now stands at five after an embarrassing effort that was a complete and total dismantling. I'll break down the game and debate if it's time to panic and what, if anything, might be a way to fix this Miami's mess on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. It's a Friday edition of Locked On Heat. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. We are free and available. Wherever you get podcasts on, on YouTube, I am your host, David Ramil, my usual co host, Wes Goldberg, having some great foresight and not being available for what was an embarrassing loss. The Heat lost to the Celtics on Thursday night, a 143 to 110 blowout that showed both just how much more improved the Boston Celtics team is and how far this Miami team has to go. I'll break down the game. And look at whether or not that he can fix it, and if it's time for fans to start panicking later on the show. But as for the game itself, well, I don't even know where to begin. To be quite honest with you, because it was such a complete dismantling. Miami fell behind early. They were starting to, you know, keep pace a little bit, and then all of a sudden, the Celtics just exploded from three-point range, and they would not let up. A number of weapons. They wound up finishing the game twenty-two of forty. Twenty-two of forty—that's fifty-five percent from three-point range. Again, a one forty-three to one ten blowout. This might might have been Miami's best offensive game of their recent five-game losing streak. They wound up eclipsing the one hundred-point mark and uh, shot thirty-eight percent from three, but it didn't really matter. Like this, final score was well determined. At one point in time, Miami looked like they might catch a break. They were starting to claw their way back in. Had managed to. Keep the score down. I think they were down by seven uh, midway through the third quarter. And then, well, things just progressively got worse. That lead ballooned very quickly. Kristaps Porzingis, one of the new weapons that Boston has added this season since their matchup in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, was incredible in limited, uh, his limited minutes. He wound up turning his ankle as he wound up getting a rebound and then falling onto Bama Adebayo's foot. He rolled his ankle, which is always a concern for Porzingis and for Celtics fans And you're thinking, okay, the big man's out of the game, take away his three-point shooting, take away his deadly pick-and-roll combination with any one of the ball handlers on the Celtics roster, and maybe Miami has a chance to continue clawing away and maybe, maybe finding a way to steal this game despite having given up that incredible shooting from three-point range. No, no, that wasn't the case. In fact, Boston wound up improving on that lead and again uh, uh, the team was checked out mostly by the fourth quarter it didn't really matter the starters played you know and eventually the uh, benches were emptied but it didn't really matter it was just a really really tough loss I I don't know exactly how to break down this game because there are so many different aspects of it but uh, I, I'll start with this Boston looks really good and I hate to say that and I really think a lot of Heat fans don't even want to hear that, but that is the reality. They are the best team in the Eastern Conference for a reason. They look really dangerous. They have a number of weapons. The broadcast, fairly or not, was talking about, oh, there should be three all-stars on this Celtics roster with Derek White and Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum had been named a starter earlier before the game itself, and they look deep, and that's not even counting Porzingis. That's not even counting Drew Holiday, who have both been very solid for Boston this season. And yes, they're older, and yes, there's always a the threat of injury, but that's a really good starting five. And when they're clicking the way they did tonight, there's not a lot that Miami or any team can really do. As for the Heat, they just look discombobulated. There's a number of issues there, whether it's fit, whether it's talent, versus whether it's effort. All of those things seem to be at play, and I don't know how to separate exactly what percentage of these existing problems – are responsible for not just this loss but the five straight losses that miami has endured because there are a number of different things you you'd think well you might get a boost by the trade of terry rosier you, you get rid of kyle lowry who hasn't been productive and maybe you're thinking you can at least address one of miami's issues which is a lack of rim pressure not getting much balanced scoring etc but rosier as much as he's been okay and he hasn't been great. He didn't really play very well today. Nobody really did for the heat roster, but you know, he finished with three of 10 shooting 30% and just seven points, one to four from three point range, two rebounds, three assists and a steal. So he hasn't exactly been as good as a lot of heat fans and myself and our, my co-host West expected. But I, I think that Miami just really just doesn't have the horses. There's also a lot of tension there. Uh, look maybe I'm reading into it and maybe again this is a result of a five game losing streak where you start to see shadows where they may not exist and I, I I will be guilty of that I admit that but even before the game the TNT broadcast crew winds up panning to Donis Haslam and he's there in attendance and he's barking at Jimmy Butler before the game starts and Butler's just kind of staring off as he's listening to UD and he's kind of you know giving him the pep talk probably reminding him of a how much we hate this Boston team! You got to go out there. You got to show them you're the guy. You got to show them that the, you're still the best team in the Eastern Conference, et cetera, et cetera. All the different things that we know UD will say in order to light a fire under somebody's ass. <laughs> it didn't matter. It did, did. It did not matter at all. And I'm starting to come come around to the idea that there might be tension behind the scenes. This isn't a reporting thing. This is just me being somewhat subjective here and. and speculative and assuming that maybe there's some kind of attention because again is it is it a result of fit the big three of tyler hero bama to and jimmy butler just don't seem like they're able to flourish alongside one another when one of them is out that allows other players to step up and there's a much more balanced offense when it's the three of them in there all looking to score within the same range basically in the mid-range or in the painted area That's not really fluid offense, and that's not a knock on any one of them as individual players. They're all really good individually. They all also have their limitations, and it just seems more and more like they might not be able to work together and coexist in a way that makes this team dangerous, not just dangerous in the playoffs because we don't know what this group is capable of in the playoffs. Tyler hasn't been available for the last two postseasons. He certainly wasn't in last year, and the year before that he was hindered by injury not exactly the best way of gauging whether or not this team is going to be as functional or as good as they were last year in the postseason. So there's a lot of questions about this group, and I don't know how to fix this. I don't know if there are answers for this, because right now, it just seems like they can't seem to get out of their own heads. There's not a lot of heart there. There's not a lot of effort. And, you know, maybe maybe it's just us kind of blowing things up. And I mean us in a collective heat nation sort of thing, because we're looking at this team losing five straight and these losses have been demoralizing and you're wondering, you know, what the hell is going on? And there, again, it just doesn't seem like anything's working and it doesn't seem like anything is really dysfunctional either. Not completely. There's no injury you can point to. There's no player who's really struggling or, Has groused about his role or anything like that publicly. None of that is happening. This isn't the same kind of dysfunction you see from other teams. This isn't a a player who's requested a trade. You know, Tyler hasn't gone publicly and says, I can't play with Jimmy. I gotta get out of here. Bam's not, you know, saying this team is falling apart. We hate each other in the locker room, et cetera. I still think this is a group that enjoys the idea of playing one another and competing at a high level. They're just not doing it right now. And that might be due to fit, that might be due to different things, and yet I I also don't know whether or not this team can turn things around. And maybe that seems a little dire, a little too doom and gloom, and maybe things will eventually resolve themselves, but you're taking on the New York Knicks in just a couple days in an afternoon game at Madison Square Garden. You come back home and you take the really hot Phoenix Suns, you're hosting them on a Monday night game, that's going to be a real challenge for Miami to stop because well, who the hell is going to defend Kevin Durant, who's still one of the best players in the game? Not to mention one of the best shooters in the game and Devin Booker and a great score, etc. cetera. And I don't know, this streak. this streak might realistically go into seven games. Is it time to panic now? Or should we hold off until the eventual streak reaches seven games, eight games, maybe even double digits? Is that a possibility? I don't think so, but we'll talk about that or I'll talk about that in the next segment. You're listening to Locked on Heat. Today, I want to tell you about our partners over at eBay Motors. This show is brought to you by eBay Motors. They've teamed up with Locked on Fantasy Basketball host, Josh Lloyd, to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. First of all, somebody that Heat fans should know a lot of, that's G.G. Jackson. He's come on strong. The rookie has been a really good scoring punch for a Memphis team that is clearly going through a lot of personnel issues. They've had a number of injuries, and their season's basically been toast, but Jackson has provided a hell of a spark. Mason Plumlee's getting an opportunity with the Clippers. Aaron Neesmith has been good in his role with Indiana. Now that Bruce Brown is in Toronto, Jabari Walker seems like he's playing at a high level. Marvin Bagley. The third, obviously, in Washington now is a project there, but eventually he might get some opportunity. If I'm looking at these players, i got to go with Gigi Jackson. We've seen the spark he can provide. He's still a rat. He's still a young player. He's the youngest player in the league. And at the same time, I think he adds a lot of value to your fantasy team, so he'd be a pickup that I'd certainly look to. But Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors Knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. Listen, everybody loves their cars. I've said it before. Your car is a part of your life. It gets you to where you need to. It carries your family with you. It takes you around to dates, to work, to special places and special moments in your life. So you want to take care of your car so your car can take care of you. That's why with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, Whatever your car needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to you as customers, eligible items only, and exclusions do apply. Locked on has launched the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked on Sports Today is here for you 24 7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked on, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked on Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel. This is a question that I'm seeing manifest in many different ways on social media. It's one that I'm sure a lot of people are kind of feeling. A lot of existential dread taking place right now as the Heat continue to lose and the spark that a lot of people thought Terry Rozier would provide has not been there. Miami still looks very dysfunctional. I'm not completely soured on the Rozier thing, obviously. It's only been two games, and I don't think that's fair to him. I still think we need to give him the benefit of the doubt. It's going to look clunky, but that's basically because Miami's whole offense has been clunky all season long. There really hasn't been, with the exception of when Duncan Robinson was starting, and this is not a knock on Tyler Hero, although I think the games of Duncan Robinson, their respective offensive productivity, might not it might not mesh the same way with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. There's something about Duncan, and again, maybe that's the fact that Hyman Hawkins Jr. was in the lineup and he was providing a spark, that Haywood Highsmith was starting and his defense was providing a spark. They were missing that prior to that seven-game win streak, and they're missing it right now. With Jaime particularly, out, he's still out due to injury. No timetable for his return. Kevin Love was also out tonight. Not sure what a difference that would have made. I, I do think his size would have helped Miami with the rebounding edge to some degrees. And certainly his three-point spacing. Had he knocked down the shots, something he hasn't done of late, that would have helped. It's impossible to say whether or not either of those players or both of them had been in the lineup whether or not that would have provided the spark necessary for Miami to find a way to at least hang close. And I know that's always the question mark, right? You know, the, the what if of professional sports, if those players were there, would they have been able to help Miami keep pace with the Celtics? Would they have done a better job? I don't know. You know, in Jaime's case, we know what he's going to provide. And, I, I, you know, Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald, a little doom and gloom himself of late, talking about, you know, Hi- Hawkeye's, being fourth in his MVP palette because certainly Miami has struggled in his losses. These all, all these losses have been without Hyman, and I think there's something to that because Hyman provides a lot of instant offense. His his decision making, his passing, his court awareness, his defensive effort, which hasn't always been great. I mean, the effort is always there. The defensive stance and everything else hasn't always been great, but I think he does provide a spark, especially in transition basketball, because. He gets to the rim, his size and speed, the combination of those two factors makes him really difficult to stop. And he can draw fouls, a lot like a really engaged playoff version of Jimmy Butler, not who we saw on the court tonight against the Celtics that could say a center. So I, I think certainly would have helped. Again, would Love, his spacing would have been a factor. Who knows? Who knows what the outcome would have been like? But to answer the specific question, which comes in from Recyclops, a longtime listener, Whether or not it's time to enter into a full-blown panic, no. I I have to do my job as a reporter and a nuanced perspective. I don't think it's time to panic. I'll say this again. Ultimately, the regular season, does that matter? My co-hosts would challenge that 100%. But I still think that Miami is capable of doing great things in a playoff scenario. Is that something you can count on? Absolutely not, but they're capable of it. And that being the case, you have to withhold judgment on this team until they reach the playoffs. Now, now, the big caveat here, will they make the playoffs? Like we can point to their incredible Cinderella run to the finals last year and also recognize they were a few minutes away by being eliminated by the Chicago Bulls. And had they been eliminated... Well, we know what would have happened this offseason. They would have made some trades. They would have done something differently, even more so than the pursuit of Dave Lillard or Donovan Mitchell or whomever else. They would have pulled the trigger on something because it would have been clear that they needed to change this roster. Instead, you're kind of left with the same thing that's happened over the last four years. A question about, well, we're good, but how good are we? Are we really good? Are we contending world beating good? Or are we just a team with a lot of spunk, a lot of fire, a lot of grit, whatever, whatever euphemism you want to use to plug and play there. And you can answer that question for yourself. I don't know. I, I don't know this, this front office knows because although they were willing to make a trade of Kyle Lowry, that's because he was an, ex, an expiring contract and you needed to make some kind of change or else you were going to be losing that space for nothing. Instead. Now you've committed to the contract of Terry Rozier and you're going to be paying him for the next few years at the very least. And that's not to say that you're limited in what you can do to improve this team. Changes might ultimately come. But I don't think this team is going to look at this core and whether or not it can function until something happens in the playoffs. Again, whether you make the playoffs. If you don't make the playoffs, then it's clear that this roster can't coexist. If you go on another deep run and Tyler's functional and a big part of that and whatever role he might have at that point in the season then I think you can say uh, that this team has a chance of being able to compete on a bigger stage and we'll give them another chance. We'll make some more minor changes on the edges. We'll do what we can to improve this roster. But right now is not the time to panic. They're losing in the regular season. And yes, you want to turn things around. Yes, you want to find a spark. You want to find a way to continue to build good habits. I don't know how realistic that is either. I, I just don't know. Last year wasn't the case. Like We've had this debate before. They stank last year. They were a bad team, and they showed that they were a bad team pretty consistently through 82 games. They had ups and downs, and there were a lot of questions about this team going into the postseason. You know, they didn't feel like a as bad as the play in tournament, but there they were nonetheless. That's what their record reflected, and it seems like they're heading in the same place. Like a startling fact is that they're both at the same record now and at the same point in the season as they were last season and this season. And this season, this team feels. Like it's better, or at least it should be. You know, there was uh, weeks ago, it felt like Heat fans were riding the sky high. You know, they were getting, they were all hoping players would come back. Tyler's coming back, Jimmy's coming back. We're all going to figure it out. We have so many weapons, we have so many different options. And now, five games later, God damn it, is it time to blow things up? What's going to happen to this group? Do we have to make some changes? Do we have to trade Tyler? Do we have to trade Jimmy? Again, those are bigger questions. And Heat fans are certainly entitled to being rash right now and being upset about this group because, well, they haven't played particularly well. But I just don't think it's time to panic just yet because there is still a lot of basketball left to be played. They could turn things around in the regular season. I don't know how realistic it is. I don't know if anybody in that Heat locker room is convinced that they can turn things around 100%. There are going to be problems with this roster. That's just the nature of this composition. You've got limited players in Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler who are also great. You can be a top 20 player like Dame Lillard. He's a historically good player. He was just voted into the all-star as a starter. He is a top 75 player. And yet I think you can also say his defense sucks. There are limitations in his game and that's fine. That's who, this is who Jimmy Butler and Bam and are, they're great players that give their all and give an incredible effort, both great individual defenders, Bam more so during the regular season, Jimmy when it matters and during the playoffs and yet they're not great floor spacers and their games may not coexist in the way that Eric Spolster would like them to and that being the case there are going to be bumps there's going to be issues during the regular season and occasionally during the postseason although that hasn't been the case for the past four seasons with the exception of that sweep at the hands of the Milwaukee Bucks in 2020. That was more a reflection again as I've said many times before of a team that was just really tired, dealing with the COVID issues, dealing with all the the roster imbalance and everything else, that was just a really, really complex season, a difficult one. After they had gone through this incredible emotional turmoil, and anyway, panic if you must. I'm not gonna hear. I'm not gonna be here to police how you fan or how you watch these games. But my advice is to just hold off because this is what the front office is gonna do. They may make changes, and I'll talk about that in the next segment but i don't think they're going to panic and blow it up during the regular season cuz this is not that's not who this team is and never has been. They still have championship aspirations and the players in those in the locker room still think they can get this done somehow. I'm not sure how realistic that is, but that's the belief and that's what makes this team special is because they have that belief no matter how bleak things look on the outside. But we'll answer some more of your questions in the next segment here on Locked on Heat. Today's episode is brought to you by Grammarly. When it comes to writing, Grammarly is there to support you from start to finish. When you're stuck with writing at work, Grammarly can help you get started with ideas, outlines, and even some tips to your writing. If you need something to polish the way you've written something, well, Grammarly can help paraphrase and rewrite so you can be more concise instantly. And if you need to get through your emails quickly, Grammarly can help you summarize your emails and provide suggestions on how to reply in seconds. Writing is difficult. I'm a writer. I should know. And at the same time, I know that Grammarly is an incredible tool that you can rely on. If you got a big presentation coming up, Grammarly can create a personalized outline to get you organized so you can transform your ideas into a compelling presentation. Start being more productive at work. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast and download it for free today. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y.com slash podcast to download it free today. Thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Just a reminder, you can always reach us via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskAllHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show, as always, and leave a review because those things do matter. Like and subscribe on YouTube. The big question after tonight's game, what can the Heat do to fix this? And again, I'm not sure if there's any simple answer. And it might be more complex. It might be a matter of changing the rotations, benching a player, starting somebody else. A lot of different things could provide some temporary solution. But at least one thing that I could see that was a real big problem for Miami tonight, the size differential. And it's been a problem and continues to be a problem. Last year, Miami thought, hey, they needed some more size. What did they do? They lured Kevin Love, as a buyout candidate, he came to this team to contribute, to provide floor spacing. If he turns back the clock another 10 years, he would be the ideal player for Miami. He would start alongside Bam and Abayo. He would provide that three-point shooting. He would be the active rebounder, the big body he could throw out there. Other than that, that's basically what you're looking for. You're looking for a big floor spacing forward. Forward slash center. I'm bleeding along those lines. Like Carl Anthony Towns, right? That's the upper end of what you're looking for. A guy that could score a lot, that could stretch, stretch a floor, provide rebounding, etc. You're not looking necessarily for a great defender at that position. You just need somebody to challenge these players. Like, my, I saw one particular issue tonight and I think Miami's switch-heavy defense just doesn't work when you're this small. Like, you cannot challenge teams like Boston and the size that they have at every position, especially when you've got seven foot four Chris Taps out there and have Tyler Hero or Terry Rozier trying to match up with seven foot four Chris Taps That just doesn't work. And it didn't work in the finals against Nikola Jokic. And it's not going to work whenever you have a team of bigs like this. I mean, you're going to face, let's say you do get into the playoffs, what team doesn't have a big that couldn't be a threat? Cleveland, I guess Jared Allen, as good as he is, might not necessarily be a go-to score. Let's say you match up against the Sixers. Are you going to put Haywood Highsmith on Joel Embiid? That ain't going to work. Are you going to put him against Porzingis? No thanks. That We already saw how that played out. Brooke Lopez, Giannis Antetokounmpo, et cetera. Like these are matchups that Miami cannot win because they continue to switch and you wind up getting these possessions where even if you send the double quickly, and Miami did a good job of that. That's they do. You post up, let's say you got Rozier on an island against Porzingis. Heywood Highsmith comes over. Well, guess what? Then you've got Derek White open from three. You've got Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown open from three. You got Sam Hauser or whoever the hell they have on that Celtics roster that's capable. Peyton Pritchard hit a couple shots. You know, Miami just found themselves giving this maximum effort on defense and it wound up translating into a three-point opportunity for the Celtics. And, of course, they hit this. Did the Celtics have a really good shooting night? Was it an aberration? Yes. And at the same time, that's not the solution. That's not – That's not. the reality is that Miami gave up those shots, and you have to be able to deny them. I don't know if you just stick to man. The problem is that that's not the strength of Bam in a bio. Like, he can guard anybody, and that's the why. The reason why Miami has to switch because you have Bam basically playing as a rover. He switches. He guards, your, he guards ball handlers. He guards wings. He guards bigs. He guards everybody but somebody else has to pick up that matchup and Miami's far too undersized to really make those teams feel that that presence. They cannot they cannot challenge those people physically because they just they're not big enough. And so if you're looking to a change in particular, I would say they probably need some more front court size, a floor spacing big. Those don't grow on trees. I don't know how good you're going to find a player like that. A buyout candidate maybe. Those options do exist for Miami, but even then they're limited because of their financial structure and everything else with the salary cap. We've gone over this over the last couple of days. Again, no easy solutions for Miami. The Heat do have some bigs on the roster, but we saw tonight Thomas Bryant, he provided a little spark offensively, cutting to the board, getting some rebounds, You know, being able to, to have a, a couple of shots here and there. But he's surpassed Orlando Robinson. And as optimistic as we were regarding O's, Ability to impact this team and maybe be that big uh, floor spacer. He just doesn't. He doesn't get the opportunity. He's he's in Sioux Falls or you know he's on the bench and he's just not getting any playing time for this group. So he's not an option. He's not realistic. Maybe next year's the year. And I know we've been saying that for a couple seasons now, but maybe next year is the year for Orlando Robinson. So if you're going to try and find somebody, maybe you'll have an option. I still think now probably more than ever. As much as it pains me to say this. I think they do wind up exploring a trade for Kayla, for Kayla Martin. Like he's just your best trade asset at this point before that it was Kyle Lowry and his existing expiring contract. Now you're kind of left with relatively few options. You're not going to be able to trade Josh Richardson and or Thomas Bryant for any player of value. So I don't think that's realistic. If any player has any remaining value on this roster and is a tradable asset, it's Nikola Jovich, who I think the heat front office is still too high on to just casually trade him. You're not going to get, again, the kind of requisite value because of the salaries, because of the fact that he's just an unproven player at this point in his career. I don't know that you're going to be able to acquire the player that you're looking for, given the limitations of this roster. But, you know, that's for the front offices aside. I, I think they'll be active. I think they'll continue to explore opportunities. They were active before this, and they pulled the trigger on the Rozier trade. And they're going to be, as they have in the past, Be active on the buyout market. I don't know what's going to fall to Miami at this point in time. You know, Kevin Love came here because I think Miami is a nice place to live and it seemed like a good fit. And Miami was a team that needed somebody exactly like what Kevin Love was providing, a floor spacing big. I don't know who sees this Miami roster. If you're bought out and you're a veteran player that just you know took a, a cut in your pay so that you could go play for a contender, is Miami the most attractive option? I don't think it is. And so given that, you might look at teams like Philadelphia or Milwaukee or the Lakers. The Lakers aren't much of a better option, but it's the Lakers, and you know they're going to be able to do something with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and who knows? There are other teams out there that are much more attractive to a buyout free agent than Miami, and so I wouldn't count on that as being a source for an incredible upgrade you might wind up just getting PJ Tucker, and somebody else asked about that. Is is that going to be Miami's big pickup? It might be. He provides something at least. Like I, I wouldn't feel too bad about it. I I, I don't know. I don't think he's completely "quote unquote" washed—a term that I hate. But I I would feel much more comfortable having PJ Tucker putting an elbow into Kristaps Porzingis and and just you know forcing him out of the paint and keeping him away from an easy look at the basket and making things difficult because that's just who PJ is. And this is a system that is familiar with him, and he's familiar with the system. He's familiar with the players, the coaching staff. It seems like a good fit. I don't know. We'll see how it all plays out. I think he's right in that uh, window of not making too much money where he cannot be a candidate for Miami to add. If he gets bought out, and that's another question, is if he gets bought out, they might not even buy him out. So we'll see how it plays out. There'll be other questions. We'll look at that a- as time goes on. But you know, for now, I, I think this will wrap up today's episode. We'll see what happens on Saturday. Miami goes into New York after a day off. They'll be off on Friday. They'll travel to New York tomorrow night. They'll get to the city and shoot around Saturday morning. No, actually, they won't even shoot around because it's a 3 o'clock game. So we'll see. They've got basically 36 hours to just let this eat them up inside. And, God, I hope that they figure something out because right now this is a team that just does not look like they care. And all it takes is one game. And maybe I thought it was going to be against the Boston Celtics. It was not. That was not enough of an inspiration for them. So maybe it'll be facing another Eastern Conference playoff foe in the New York Knicks. Another rival, if you will. But that'll do it for today. Thanks again so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen. Don't forget Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports today is here for you 24-7. Covering the top sports stories of the day, go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Thanks to everyone for listening. This is David Ramil signing off for now. Enjoy your weekend.